Hey, it's Kathy. I'm so excited because, drumroll please, doors are officially open to my program, The Abundance Method. I have been wanting to put this program out in the world for two and a half years. I've been working on it behind the scenes, and this is my signature program. This is the program that is going to teach you the method, the framework for how to become a master manifester in your life. Why is that? Because everything is vibration. We live in a world that is atomic. That means the world is made of atoms, which is energy. 99.9% of every atom is energy and less than 1% particle. So in order for us to manifest in our life, we need to become the highest vibe possible and to sustain that. This program is going to show you how to meditate and how to set your day on the right track so that you have a practice that can help you project your amazing energy into the world, which will bend the 3D, which will help you manifest in ways that you won't even believe. This is a transformative live 10-week program. It is designed to help you on this journey of spiritual awakening. It's going to give you tons of tools. I'm going to show you how to change your energy, master the manifestation once and for all, This is the first program of its kind. We're actually trademarking all of this framework because it is something that is so unique. And I think you're going to be so excited about learning it. Also, there are some bonuses right now. If you sign up before May 10th, you'll be getting a physical abundance box. Plus, you're going to get an exclusive podcast so that you can be listening to this program. If you can't make the live Zoom calls, we can give it to you on a track so that you can be listening to it like you do a podcast. Also, you're going to get a pack of 10 meditations from me. And you're going to be getting a training that I just gave a workshop called Permission to be Rich, one of the best workshops I've ever done, which you will love. And there is a platinum level to this program. If you choose the platinum level, not only do you get extra coaching calls with me, you also get extra mentor support, but this is really cool. You also get a retreat included. My retreats are normally $3,000. You will get the retreat for free included. Plus, You will get a front row seat at that retreat because you will be on the platinum VIP track at the retreat. All of this is here for you. I'd love to see you in this program. I want to see you tapping in, turning on to that electricity within you so that you can find your way to the life that you were born to manifest for yourself. You can join us now at kathyheller.com slash join. I cannot wait. Get on in there. See what all the excitement is about. It's going to be so much fun. If your life was a book and you were the author, How would you want your story to go? Believe that you can make that vision happen. I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short, and to stop sitting it out, and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art or music or screenwriting or dance or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full time, because it's not just about business, it's about contribution, it's about meaning. That is what we seek. That is what we truly want. And you absolutely are here to serve the world. And I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you. And every single week, we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way, to help you be more successful, to help you be the truest expression of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive in. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. I'm so glad that you're here. I am so glad that you clicked on today's episode. 
If there was only one episode that you could hear of this show, let it be this one. We are living in such an intense time. There is so much pain right now. There is so much uncertainty. And what we need more than anything else is Amy Purdy, who's here today. If there's one human being I've ever had the honor to meet who embodies courage, who embodies resilience, who shows us what it means to find a way forward when every door looks like it's closed. It's her. She is extraordinary. And I'm so grateful that she is here today. And I hope that you listen and these words enter your heart. And I hope it inspires you. And I hope it makes you feel lifted up. I'm just going to say one more thing before we dive in, which is that I'm going to be showing up twice this week, today, Monday, and Wednesday at five o'clock Pacific Standard Time on Instagram and Facebook to continue chapters three and four of the Don't Keep Your Day Job book club. It is free. If you want to join it, you can go to kathyheller.com slash book club, and you can then be sent any kind of homework, any kind of replays. Um, and you can follow along with us. I'll be meeting with you guys twice a week and we will be talking about whatever tools we can pull out from the book that I think will help you in this time to really hone the gifts inside of you, bring them into the world, to find the ways to make um, whatever pivot needs to be made so that you can share and serve the world in a time where people need it more than ever. You can join us for that. Okay, now let's get back to today. Amy Purdy is here. She's one of the highest ranked female adaptive snowboarders in the world, a three-time Paralympic medalist, New York Times bestselling author, motivational speaker, and the list goes on and on. She was also runner-up on Dancing with the Stars. She's been named on Oprah's Top 100. She's the co-founder of the nonprofit organization Adaptive Action Sports, which helps those with permanent disabilities get involved in action sports. Today, she's going to share her remarkable story, and I highly recommend that you check out her best-selling memoir, On My Own Two Feet. It is truly one of the most awe-inspiring journeys I've ever heard. Words really can't describe how incredible, how generous, how humble how much of a light she is. And I know that it's her words that are going to actually move you and and light that fire inside of your soul to live to the fullest right now. So I'm not going to say anymore. Without further ado, please welcome the one and only Amy Purdy. Amy, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate having you here. It's such a gift. Yeah, well, thank you. Thanks for asking me. I'm excited. Oh, that's very sweet. You know, we're living in such a crazy time and we need people who have stories of bravery and resilience. And I can't think of anyone who knows that more than you. It's really quite awe-inspiring. So I know you've told it a thousand times, but would you (laughs) mind sharing a little bit of your story of what led you to being where you are right now? Sure. So, I mean, my story, it started, let's see, just in Vegas. That's where I grew up. And I always had this dream of traveling the world and living an adventurous life. And I always wanted stories to tell. So I always say, be careful what you ask for, because (laughs) I've gone on to live a story that 
you know, I never could have imagined that I would live really. And even though I grew up in the desert, I grew up with the love of snowboarding and I just found myself through it. I didn't really know where I fit in before that. It's like, I didn't really fit in with the athletes and I didn't fit in with the cheerleaders and I was just more creative and artistic. And I just felt like when I started snowboarding, it was such a, a creative individual sport where there's no rules that you could be anything you want to be and you can come up with your own tricks and ideas and stuff. And I just really found myself in that space and found my friends in that space. And I knew it was something that I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And so the day after I graduated high school, I decided to go to massage school. I moved to Salt Lake City. And I went to massage school out there and I thought massage would be this great job where I could travel the world and have this job with me. It would basically pay for my snowboard habit. I could live in different ski resorts and um, have this job that would travel with me. And so I fell in love with massage. I ended up moving back to Las Vegas because I was offered a really good job. In fact, it was my dream job. I loved what I did. And I thought that was something I'd want to do for the rest of my life as well. So I was 19 years old and it was about five months after I started working. I was at work one day and I started to feel just a little bit run down and I, I took a break and I thought, well, maybe I'm just tired. I actually kind of felt like the guy I just massaged kind of drained me. You know, some people can give you energy. Some people just suck the life out of you. And so as kind of the day went on, I started to realize I'm a little bit more than just fatigued. I think I'm getting a little bit sick. And so I went home from work early that night. I had a temperature of 101. That's typical flu-like symptoms. And the next morning, my temperature broke. So I just, once again, thought maybe I just have a 24-hour flu. But that afternoon, I started to feel worse. And at one point, I was sleeping and I fell into the deepest sleep I've ever felt and I tried to wake myself up. I kept over and over just trying to open my eyes and, and I couldn't. It was taking every bit of energy in my body just to open my eyes. And I eventually fell into the deepest sleep I've ever felt. And then suddenly I heard this voice say, Amy, get up and look in the mirror. And it was so startling that I immediately opened my eyes and I looked around. I didn't see anybody there, but as I was sitting up, I started to realize something was really wrong. My heart was beating out of my chest. I was so sick. I was so weak. I was really dizzy. It probably took a good three to five minutes to kind of get into a seated position. And then I scooted to the edge of the bed. And I put my feet on the floor and I stood up and I realized that I couldn't feel my feet. And I glanced at my feet. I saw that my feet were purple. I glanced at my hands. I saw my hands were purple. I looked at my reflection in the mirror. I saw my nose, my chin, my cheeks were purple as well. And I was dying and I knew it. Um, right then my cousin walked in to come check on me and she cried, oh my God, it looks like you're dead. And I said, I'm dying. I know I am. I have to get to the hospital. So she rushed me to the hospital and basically it didn't end up being the flu like I thought. It ended up being something called meningococcal meningitis. We have no idea how I got it. I was immediately put on life support, given less than a 2% chance of living, and really fought for my life for quite a few months. I ended up losing both of my legs below the knees because of septic shock. So your body pulls blood from your extremities to save your organs. I also lost my kidneys, the function of my kidneys, and needed a kidney transplant at the age of 21. It was actually a week before my 21st birthday. My dad donated a kidney to me. Um, but 
really because of that experience that led me to where I'm at today. And I've gone on to start a nonprofit organization for athletes with disabilities. And we helped to get snowboarding into the Paralympic Games. And I became a three-time Paralympic medalist and, you know, wrote a New York Times bestselling book and went on to do Dancing at the Stars and speak all over the world. And so for me, it really, it was actually kind of the catalyst that that led me to where I'm at today and that made me dig deep and figure out how I really want to live my life. Um, you know, the story is, is one of the most epic stories ever, but what's the most epic part of it is you. It's your unrelenting courage, unrelenting hope, unrelenting spirit. It's, it's on a proportion that I've never, ever heard. You are so kind and thank you. And, you know, I, I, it doesn't mean that I haven't had hard times, right? It doesn't mean that it wasn't like as challenging for me as it would be for anybody else. But I did see the big picture. Like I did see how can I use this? Okay, I have to continue on. I don't have my legs anymore. I have a kidney transplant. Like my life is totally different at 19, but how do I continue to live not only a good life, but, you know, leave a a positive footprint somehow. So that's been so much of my drive is just how do I use what I have? And, and what I found is what I had just by being me, even without my legs, even with the kidney transplant, even with challenges here and there, like that is enough because that, when I spoke my truth or shared my truth, that's when it kind of allowed others to do the same or connected with others and their vulnerabilities. And so you just realize that just by being you and not covering it up and sharing it with the world and those around you, that you are making an impact and you are affecting other people. And it comes from the inside, you know, it, it, but it's something I have to remind myself of as well. I mean, in a way I have a very abnormal life because it's been actually quite outstanding. And then in a way, I have just a very normal life where I too wake up every day. And sometimes I'm like, now what's my purpose? (laughs) Why am I here? Why am I going through this? Yeah. Well, that's also super generous of you to share that, but it's amazing how you can breathe life into someone in a way that other people can never do because you're like wearing like a cape. It's like, you're so kind I mean, there's no way to help somebody out of a well unless you've been down there. And yeah. we, we live in a time where there's such an empathy deficit and people are in so much pain and they really right. can't hear it from anyone else. Yeah. But then you come along and you literally can like be the elixir and mm-hmm. look at them and be like, I do know your address. Right. I 100% know. And <laughs> this is where it is. We right. live in a moment where so many people who are suffering, right? There are people mm-hmm. who are worried economically about their job loss. There are people who are dealing with people in the ICU who are suffering from coronavirus. I have a friend mm-hmm. who's dealing with that right now. Like it's a very real thing for some people. It's life or death. It's health. For some people, it's economics. And right. there's so much sadness and there's so much of the, this is the problem and I'm going to be in the pain and I'm going to sit with the pain. Right. But you have literally found like so much of the light inside of the darkest possible, most endless night you could ever imagine. <laughs> so how do you help people who want to sit in that moment? I mean, first of all, it is easy to sit in the pain 
it is, it's almost like, even with this whole coronavirus thing, it's like you want to dive into it. We're like looking up everything we can just to find every bit of information. And so I think part of that is definitely normal. But then, you know, it, then I think it comes back to like, well, how does that make you feel? <laughs> it's becoming very aware of yourself and your habits and your actions and how are those and your thoughts, how are those making you feel? And you have to have a level of self-awareness to be able to say, okay, like, yes, I'm in this space and it's just a constant kind of hamster wheel because I'm feeding myself negative thoughts and energy or you know, you can step outside of it and go, what makes me feel light and empowered and do more of that. But it is very hard to do that at a time when you're so consumed with the negative stuff that's going on. And it's extremely real right now. It's people losing money and their businesses and then possibly their homes and having nothing to look forward to. And, and I'm in that space as well of, as being a motivational speaker, it's like, I do live events. There's yeah. no live events happening Not anytime zero. soon. In fact, it may be one of the last things that ever comes back. So, but you know, I am able to reflect back on the challenges and I've dealt with so much challenge and so much change in my life. And I, you know, and I do do my best to share it. Of course I do. That's what I feel like my purpose is or the value that I can add. But, you know, I do sometimes sit here and question, like, not everybody's going to take it either. Not everybody, you know, we make a lot of excuses. People will say, well, she's young or, you know, she, mm -hmm. her family has money, which my family never had money. So it's like, there's all these excuses of how I got through my toughest times, but they're not able to get through theirs. So it's being aware of that. You really do have to become very aware of yourself and your habits and your thoughts and how that is playing into your life and why things are so bad today. And for me, I've always considered myself very resilient. I've bounced back from major, major things. In fact, we'll talk about this too, but just a year ago, I had one of the most life-changing experiences and injuries that I've had, which actually to me is worse than losing my legs 20 years ago. So I've been already in the thick of it this year, dealing with trying to move through a major, major health issue and injury that nobody can help me with. And not knowing a good prognosis. But when I look at all the things I've gone through and I've come back from, I try to break down, how did I think that way? How was I so resilient? Okay, I was resilient, but how? Like what, what helped me? And, you know, there's one technique that I realized I've used a lot of, which is like cognitive reframing. And it really is just looking at a situation, stepping outside of it and looking at it in a different way. But once again, you have to be willing to do that. You know, you have to be willing to say, I want out of this. So how can I look at this in a different way and actually see the light? Look at the big picture. Look at where this could eventually lead. What can I learn from this? How can I use this? How can I help others from this? Just kind of looking at your situation from the outside in and, and realizing you're not stuck. The world continues on everything is temporary. Everything's temporary. Happiness is temp temporary. Sadness is temporary. Injuries temporary. Like your body. I learned something. Uh, I used to do skincare. Actually, I was an esthetician. And I just remember when I was in esthetician school, learning how your skin cells every seven days, they regenerate. And then it's like, you know, it's like every seven months, your muscles regenerate. And then every seven years, you have like a whole new body. And it just reminds me of 
that everything's temporary. Everything's constantly moving and changing, even though we might feel stuck in injury or concern or worry or whatever, it's always going to change. What you're saying is 100% true. I want to unpack it a little bit. Not only were you able to reframe, but how far you were able to reach for what was now possible is unbelievable. You went on to get your sport to help be a part of putting that in the Paralympics and then winning a medal. Like where did you start to understand like, okay, I'm going to get resourceful. I'm going to open my eyes, see what's possible. And then me, this one human is going to be able to single-handedly make a difference (laughs) for thousands of other people. Oh, and then win it. Where does that come from? The, I'm going to be able to see that. You know, it, it really just organically unfolded, believe it or not. It was really just taking things day by day because I snowboarded and I knew I loved snowboarding. I really loved it. I was passionate about it. And I thought this is something that I want to do for the rest of my life, not necessarily as a career, but just, I knew it would be a part of my life. It was a lifestyle for me. So I had enough passion for that, that when I was sitting in the hospital and found out that I was losing both of my legs, my first question was, can I snowboard again? When can I snowboard again? And the doctors would say, we have no idea. Like, we don't know if you can snowboard or even walk uh, without a cane on two prosthetic legs. We don't really know what to tell you. But, you know, and then I, at one point I started calling all these adaptive ski schools and they said, well, you should you should not wear your prosthetics, just take your legs off and sit in a mono ski. And I remember just thinking, I want to use my legs. Like I want to figure this out. So maybe, maybe the reason nobody can tell me anything positive about this is nobody's done it, but maybe nobody's done it is because they're being told that they can't do it. And so maybe I need to just get out there and try. And so that's what I did. I mean, I, I then just took literally baby steps. Like it took months for me, which isn't that long, but I'll tell you, it took months for me to get comfortable walking in my prosthetics. And then I thought I'm going to get on my snowboard. I had never missed a season of snowboarding before, and I wasn't about to. So it was about seven months after losing my legs. I stood up on my snowboard in my prosthetics for the first time. And I realized how complicated it was. I fell, my legs came off, my snowboard came off, like my legs came off with my snowboard you know, flew down the mountain. And looking back, I think that was actually the beginning of my Olympic journey, which is so crazy because you can easily sit there and say, well, this is impossible. And I did. Part of me did say, well, this is impossible. This is why you don't see double leg amputee snowboarders every day on the mountain, because this is really hard and my feet don't move the right way and my legs don't even stay onto my body. And how the heck am I going to do this? And I'll tell you at this time, I didn't have this vision of becoming an Olympic snowboarder. I didn't have this vision of, you know, how far I would necessarily go with it. I just knew that I loved it and I knew that I wanted to figure it out for myself. And so I went on this mission trying to do that. I was working on different legs. I actually put different pieces together to create a pair of feet that I could snowboard in. And once I was able to snowboard in those feet, and keep my legs attached to my body. Uh, That's around the time that I met my husband and we were dating and he had this kind of philanthropic background uh, where his mom works with different nonprofits and she really inspired us to start a nonprofit organization to help other people with 
disabilities learn to snowboard. And a lot of that inspiration came from, I didn't have that. So I thought, oh, now I can help other people who are out there who are in the same situation as me. If they don't want to ski, if they don't want to take their legs off, if they want to use their legs, if they want to see what the possibilities are, then let's start an organization, a place for those people to go. And so my husband and I started the organization in 2005. And kind of through that, you know, we saw um, snowboarding in the Olympic Games, skiing was in the Paralympic Games, and we just thought snowboarding should be a Paralympic sport. We've got athletes at this point all around the world. Once we started our organization, actually, people came from all around the world who had incredible abilities to snowboard on their prosthetic legs and with different disabilities. I mean, even blind snowboarders, which blew my mind that could like literally cruise so fast down the mountain just by hearing somebody whistle and know exactly where they're supposed to go. And I thought, oh my gosh, so there's a lot of me out there. There's a lot of people like me doing the same thing I'm doing, just living their best life through their challenges. And our organization was a great way to pull everybody together. And then through that, we got it into the Paralympics. And then I think, you know, and going on to win Olympic medals and stuff, I feel like when I look back at it, I've always been drawn to finding a way, just finding a way, you know, and if it doesn't exist, create it. And I know that sounds like, you know, that's, that's harder to do than what I just said, but I know that that's been my drive. Like I I think I actually motivated by challenge because every time I'm presented with one, I'm on a mission to figure it out. And I've always been on a mission to live my best life. And when I lost my legs in the first place, I remember the doctor saying, you're more likely to be hit by lightning than to get meningococcal meningitis and survive. And so that did something to me where I thought, well, then anything's possible. So you're saying anything's possible in a bad way and anything's possible then in a good way. Like there are no barriers. Anything can happen. And I also feel like because I was so close to death, I was so grateful to be alive. And it, and it gave me a different perspective. How do I want to live the rest of my life? And realizing how short of a time we have here. And I have a kidney transplant. And I'll tell you, that gave me a sense and a quality of the way I wanted to live my life even more than losing my legs. Because with a kidney transplant, at the time that I had it, the average kidney transplant was only nine years So they were like, this is just a band-aid. You may have multiple transplants throughout your life. And my dad donated his kidney to me. And I've been so blessed that I've been so healthy. And I'm now at year 20. And it's such a blessing to me that every single day that I'm healthy, I want to use it. I don't want to waste it by feeling sorry for myself. You know, I want to use it. And so These are very unique experiences that I've had that gave me a perspective that I wanted to live my best life, see what the possibilities are, and do everything I can do while I'm here. The challenge comes, how do I teach that to others? When you don't go through that yourself, when not everybody's going to go through those like depths of challenge. I I always feel like when it comes to motivationally speaking and, and stuff like that, at the beginning, I used to think, man, I used to, I need to have, I'd speak to all these like entrepreneurs, you know, and huge corporations. And I would think, gosh, I have to have like amazing things to say. And then I just kind of realized like, no, I just have to share my stories and how I got through it because that's all, that's all I, that's my truth. And that's all I know. 
And I hope that somebody can put themselves in my shoes or I can relate to them and what they're going through. And that just being an example can be enough at times too, you know? A hundred thousand <laughs> gazillion percent. Like you just being in the room, people are learning how to be a human being, just witnessing you, right. just being yourself. I'm wondering if you have any kind of like spiritual experience, like when you were five or nine, or at some point, it feels as though it's so beyond Herculean that I'm like, I wonder if there is any clue there of, of something that's so beyond the physical world. You know, so when I was young, the only thing I can really think of that is kind of interesting is for one, I was always very sensitive my heart broke really easy. I always felt like I felt things really, really deeply, you know, and I didn't think that was necessarily a good thing when I was young. But now looking back, I think those kids that are sensitive are intuitive. You know, it's like you definitely don't want to stop kids from feeling the depths of, of what's going on around them and connecting with others through that. And so I know I was always very sensitive, but I didn't grow up with any religion necessarily, um, but I definitely feel like my family has always been spiritual in a way. But I did have some very profound moments that happened when I lost my legs, when I was in the hospital. And I did have a near-death experience when I was in the hospital. And what had happened was um, so I entered the hospital and they didn't think that I was going to live even until the next day. I was in such massive kidney failure that the doctor told my family, we've never seen anybody pull out of kidney failure like this. So say your goodbyes. And he left the hospital. And over the next few days, they ended up intubating me, putting me into an induced coma. I remember I couldn't breathe. I was trying to catch my breath and I was extremely unstable, but they ended up getting me onto this CAT scan table, getting me into the CAT scan and realizing that my spleen was, if it didn't already burst, it was about ready to burst. And I was already on life support. Now they had to rush me into emergency surgery. And, you know, it was very traumatizing for my family, as you can imagine, because they had no idea. There's a way bigger chance that I was dying versus coming out alive from that. And so, um, What's interesting for me is here I was in a coma for quite a few days leading up to that, but I remember being in that surgery. And I remember that the doctor was working on me and talking to me. I remember feeling him open up my chest and because I have a scar actually from my sternum all the way down to my belly button. I, I thought I was in heart surgery because my aunt had heart surgery when she was young and she has the exact same scar. And my heart was beating out of my chest. My heart was beating 266 beats per minute which was basically just a flutter. So they had to come in and crash card. And um, I, I felt the doctor open me up, but I didn't hurt. And I remember thinking, okay, I know that these people are here to save me, but I'm going, I'm going right now. And all of a sudden, I remember feeling my last heartbeat and it took my breath away and I gasped for air. And I found myself just in this space um, and I knew what had happened. I, I thought to myself, I know where I'm at right now. And I saw these three figures. I actually don't tell this story very often, to be honest. Um, but I saw these three figures in front of me, and I didn't recognize them. They were just basically silhouettes. 
and they were kind of waving their hands um, saying, you can come with us or you can stay. And I got so frustrated just with every bit of energy I had left in my body. I was like, no, I'm not going anywhere. Like, and I started thinking of all the stuff that I loved about my life. I, I, and it was stuff that you wouldn't even think of. I was thinking of the smell of a campfire. Um, I was thinking of the sound of ocean waves. I was thinking of the taste of hose water as a kid, like that metallic taste. It was all the sensory stuff. And I thought, I haven't fallen in love and I haven't lived my dreams and I haven't even you know, begun yet. And I said, no, I'm not going anywhere. And as I was coming out of that experience, I just remember knowing this feeling that was like, you know, life is going to be really hard. It's not going to be like it was before. And there's these mountains and these valleys, but it's all going to make sense in the end. And so I woke up, when I woke up from the coma that I was in, I woke up with this experience so clear that I actually wrote it down on a piece of paper because I still had tubes down my throat and I was trying to tell my family about it. So I wrote it on a piece of paper and I wrote, I had a choice and I chose to stay. And that shaped, I think, the rest of my life because I chose to be here. I'm not a victim. If I wanted to go, you know, I could have chose the easy way out. I, I was right there. And so I remind myself of that a lot when times get tough. And, you know, you would think nothing's more tough maybe than that and what I went through and losing my legs and my life being totally different. And then being on dialysis, I was on dialysis for a year and a half until my kidney transplant. I lost the hearing in my left ear. I had a lot that I was dealing with. But I'll tell you, I mean, I went through a crazy major experience just a year ago that I have to go back to that moment of, you know, I don't know why this is happening and I don't know what I'm going to do through it, but I know that it will all make sense in the end. And I have to have some level of faith in that, whatever that may be. Maybe, I, And I hope, you know, I hope it's different things for different people. I hope that it speaks to all types of, you know, religions or thoughts, you know, about what happens. But all I know is for me, it made me realize this is just a very short time here. It's all going to make sense. So to not just completely crumble under the challenge and the pressure that you're facing, you know, get through it and it will start to make sense at some point. And really my life has made a lot of sense. In retrospect, I look back and I'm like, thank God I didn't give up. Thank God I didn't say that's it. You know, I'm disabled and laying in my house for the rest of my life. I mean, I went on to break boundaries that I never had imagined that I, I knew in my heart I could do it. Actually, I dreamed big, but I never dreamed as big as it ended up being. And it just makes me realize just what we're capable of. There's not a creature that doesn't need you. And you as well, because oh. you are so intuitive. Just this conversation has been incredible, really, for you to be able to be so present right now to feel, you know, to, and to really truly have a conversation and, and kind of, like you said, unpack all of this. I really appreciate it. It's really, that's very generous. There's very few people who like have achieved greatness in their life, you know, and you have so much greatness that you are just, just by being you. And on top of it, you know what I'm sitting here thinking? You're a woman dealing with all the other stuff that women deal with, relationship <laughs> <Right>. stuff. <laughs> like, 
your like body stuff. Like it's already hard to be an adult. It's already hard to be a human. Right. It's already hard not to know your landscape. You're pivoting. You're having to pivot again in your business. It's like, right. You guys, she's dealing with all of that, all the normal stuff that doesn't escape her just because she's like superhuman. She is, but like you're having all those normal human experiences on top of everything right. else. Definitely. I mean, (laughs) and you know, and I've been hit really hard by some of them, honestly, like really, you know, I've had some major stuff happen that I've never shared. And, you know, body image, just bringing that up. um, That was really hard for me for quite some time. I have a lot of scars. I have a lot of scars. I mean, my body went through hell. I had like 15 incisions and surgeries and stuff to survive all this. And so and I've got major stretch marks on my hips because when I was in the hospital, they had to fill me up with 50 pounds water, which made me like 150 pounds or something. Um, and, um, just to keep pressure in my veins. And so that I ended up with all these stretch marks on my hips and then, you know, prosthetic legs. And at the time my legs were so bulky and I couldn't wear the stuff I wanted. I had to wear tennis shoes. There weren't cute flats like there are these days. So I was like living in these like tennis shoes and, couldn't wear a dress without people staring at me and feeling bad for me. And, and I was 83 pounds and I was sick and I had a kidney transplant. I was had, I had tubes stuck to me for two years and, and yet I still had, you know, I still was trying to continue on and live as normal as I could. But I, I do think that what's helped me is just always having such an appreciation for my body. I continue to go back to that. It's not like I was like, Oh, whatever. No, I felt everybody look at me. I felt emotional when I looked in the mirror and and saw all these scars and what my body had gone through. I I wondered if I'd ever get married or, or date and who, who would accept all of this. But I also do think I had a internal knowing of who I was and I was a good person. I knew that I had something to share with others and I knew that I had gone through so much and I knew that I could tell others that it's going to be okay. And that was a good thing. That was a good person. That was a good place to come from. And that was me. And I just held on to that. And eventually the self-conscious part of me kind of fell away and I became more appreciative of, well, I have all those stretch marks because that saved my life. I have this huge scar across my stomach because that saved my life. Every single piece of this saved my life. So I I eventually became very appreciative for what I have. And these legs, yes, they're metal and they're pipes bolted together, but they've taken me to amazing places. And I feel like the more I just focused on appreciation and gratitude and the things that I knew I had and, and got me to where I'm at today, then, you know, then other people do see that. Like the more you accept yourself, the more others will accept you as well, because you're walking around covering yourself up and shy and like, don't look at my legs. Then other people feel, oh, I'm not supposed to look at her legs. I'm just going to turn and not look at her at all. And I started to just realize, no, the more that I really did accept and embrace my situation than others did as well. And they, they either looked right past it or they saw it as just a part of me. That's me. That's Amy. That's, you know, that's like an addition. It's not something that's, I didn't lose something. I gained something. And, and when I know that, then other people, I think, reacted or respond in a positive way as well, if that makes sense. 
Oh, it makes a hundred thousand percent sense. I feel like one of the things that people who listen to the show come up against all the time, and you're 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 talking about it in this piece, is like, who am I, you know, to do this? Am I worthy? I'm less yeah. than. Will anyone love me? What are people going right. to me? And there are so many people who don't like. All of us have people who don't like us or think right. that we're weird. We all have that. Um, but people have that imposter syndrome so much. And then I think what's going to happen, because I know how people are, we look for evidence of what we think is true. So they're exactly. going to hear you and they're going to say, aha, but see, Amy is amazing. <laughs> see, she's a superhero. See, she's, a, she's not of this right. world. And that's why, you know what I mean? We'll do that to ourselves and we'll put ourselves down again. What do you say to the person who's like, but I'm not amazing because I haven't been through anything. See, that's why I'm not amazing now. Well, I'll tell you, I I think that's why I try to be as vulnerable and open and authentic as I possibly can be, because I feel that stuff too, even with everything that I've done. I look back and I go, oh my gosh, you know, I not only won Olympic medals, but I was dealing with kidney failure, losing my legs and hearing loss at the exact same time. Like, how did I do these things? And, and yet I have days where I wake up and I feel like, what's my purpose? And what am I doing with my life? And I want to write a book and I wonder, is anyone going to read it? You know, I want to start certain things and I, a podcast myself. And I think, is anybody going to listen? I mean, I, I go through the same thing that anybody else would go through. And so I think it's important to share those things, you know, and, and that's what I try to do, especially through social media, because social media, you look at all the highlights of what everybody's done. And I really try my hardest to share like the process, like I'm scared. I don't know who's going to listen to this, but I do know that we all have more potential than we'll ever even know. And you know, if you put a time frame, like for me, I knew like my kidney could fail at any time. That puts a time frame on accomplishing things and starting new projects because I'm like, well, I better do this while I'm healthy. That motivates me to not waste my days. And so I'm not sure, you know, how to necessarily give that perspective to someone who's never experienced just how precious life is and how quickly it can go and how quickly it can change. Although we're all experiencing it, I think right now of like, oh, a virus is going on next day, world shut down. Like this is an opportunity for people to really dig deep and figure out what's meaningful to you and what do you want to share with the world? Because your money can go, your health can go, but it's like, what do you do now? And I've just maybe had the pleasure of having those experiences before, you know, to be able to kind of get me to where I'm at today. But I do think these moments, I mean, and I'd like to ask you this question is with the uncertainties that are going on, do you feel more creative right now or do you feel more scared right now, more fearful? I feel more creative and more called to not overthink anything and just raise my hand and do whatever the heck I could possibly do. Yeah. Um, We're going to need people who have like four ounces of courage to raise their hand and do things and just be available to try to help. It's not because you're the Messiah. It's like, I'm here, I'm available. Let's get messy. Let's do something. Exactly. And that's, you know, when I started speaking and speaking to fortune 500 companies and like people who are more successful than I was, I think, what do they want to hear from me? Like I'm supposed to have some genius stuff that I'm saying, but I realized that if I just spoke my truth and I just shared what 
what I was authentically going through and what got me through those things, you know, that that was enough. And I think that's what everybody needs to know is that everybody has a gift. Everybody has something. Don't search outside of yourself for it. It really is. I I was just telling my mom today, I was like, because she was like, I don't know what I'm passionate about. She said that quite a few times. I don't know what I'm passionate about. And I'm like, well, what lights you up? What makes you feel good? That is something you could share with others, you know? And she was like, I love flowers. And I'm like, well, maybe we should start playing around with flower arrangements and maybe you can send flowers to people that, you know, are feeling down right now. And then maybe that becomes some kind of business down the road. And it doesn't even have to be a business. Like your purpose can very well be just a hobby as well. Like, like your purpose doesn't have to align with your job. And I think that's, you know, I think we see a lot of people these days, especially with social media, whose purpose do align with their job, which is great. You've got all these amazing thought leaders and they have courses and they're traveling Mm -hmm. the world and doing all this amazing stuff. But I don't necessarily think that we all need that pressure that what your purpose is has to also be your job. I mean, it's just what lights you up and make sure you're doing that yeah. at times. hundred <laughs> percent. And then you can share that with others, you know, and we all have a gift we could share right now. You just have to kind of, you know, really listen and quiet yourself down and, and start writing. And what's crazy is when I write, when I start writing, I don't even know what I'm going to write. You know, I'm just kind of writing my feelings of the day oftentimes that's my social media post of the day. And I'm like, eh, I have no idea who's going to read it. And oftentimes when I'm my most true and authentic self, it becomes the most popular post I've done. Right. And it's because I'm just being me. And I feel like that's what we all have the opportunity to just be you and share the things that light you up and, Mm -hmm. and make you feel empowered. And you know, that we need more of that right now to balance out just all this, you know, fear that's going on right now. 100% everything you're saying. And it's like, you're building the engine while you're flying the plane. You're like, mom, just come over. Let's like mess around. That's it. Let's just mess around. Yeah. Flowers and like, like see what happens. And you said before, when you went up to the mountain that first day, you're like, I didn't know I'd one day win a medal. Not at all. I was just like, can I do this today? Can I get down today? And then it's just exactly. And then you meet this amazing guy and his mom is involved in nonprofit and you're like, oh, right. what's this next step look like? And people think as yeah. though you were handed some kind of map, but the right. map is just like the clue to get to the next place. It's like a scavenger yeah. hunt and then you get there and, and yeah. it's so incredible. And you know, it, it makes me think of like, we all want to be confident before we get started. You want to believe you're going to succeed before mm-hmm you even start. But the thing is the confidence comes when you get started. The confidence comes when you make mistakes, but then you figure out what to do better next time. And then you keep on going. Yeah. So like, it's just, you know, you want to sit back there and be like, well, I'm not going to try that because I I suck. You have to literally just (laughs) dive in and suck. And then eventually you learn and you grow and you become experienced and then you have confidence getting started is 100% it and people want some way around that because we don't want to look stupid and we don't want to hurt. We don't want to be in pain, want to avoid pain. So we want to wait till we're ready. And another thing that you did, I mean, you also, you were on Dancing with the Stars. Like that's a whole (laughs) other, like, let's just dive in and do this. Like, what was that like to be on camera 
having to then become not just like a pretty good dancer, but like an amazing world renowned, like runner up to like people who've been <laughs> doing this since they're three years old. How on earth? Um, I almost didn't do Dancing with the Stars because I was scared because I was, uh, what if I embarrass myself? because I've got two prosthetic legs and I have no idea, you know, if I'll be able to do this at all. Not only that, when I was in high school, I tried out for the cheer team and I failed. I tried out for the dance team and I failed. I was never the dancer in the family. My sister was, she was a cheerleader. She took dance class. I never even joined her at dance class. Like I had nothing to do with dance my entire life. And um, so I had no idea what I was stepping into. You know, I wasn't good at dancing and that's when I had my legs, let alone now having two prosthetic legs and trying to figure out if they'll even move the way that I need them to. And I just didn't want to be the first one eliminated. I mean, really, I didn't really have high hopes for myself. I just, I've always been kind of a yes person where I'm like, oh, cool opportunity. Let's figure it out. Yes. And of course, the feelings of, am I going to embarrass myself? Oh my God, millions are watching. I'm going to be in front of the whole world. And I did start to put a lot of pressure on myself because I thought like, what if I don't do well? Like I'm representing what the possibilities are, but then what if I can't do it? Then I just totally failed at showing that what you can do on prosthetic legs. And so, um, but I really did try to set that pressure aside and just take it on as an experience, see what happens. I thought this, you know, this could be so much fun. So let's just figure it out. And, and really every single day, that's what we did is we just figured it out. And it was so complicated because my feet didn't move the way I needed them to. I had to get really creative. I had to order different feet. Like there was these kind of Latin dances where you need to be able to bend your knees and shake your hips. And it was impossible to do that in my walking legs. Anyways, I ended up ordering these feet that were basically mannequin feet. They're literally foam and wood, nothing high tech about them at all. Nothing moved. They were just foam and wood. And I ordered them because they have this really pretty arch. And I thought, oh, I could wear those pretty Latin high heels that everybody else is wearing. And I tried them on one day in the dance studio and I took a step and the toes, because they were made of foam, totally folded over. And, you know, I couldn't even walk in these things. And I thought, God, what am I going to do? And I took my, my shoe off like threw it across the room. I was so frustrated. And I walked back to my chair and I realized I was walking on the balls of my feet. So if you can imagine these very arched feet, I was walking on the balls of my feet. So my heels were off the ground. And I realized that when I walked on the balls of my feet, that I could bend my knees and I could shake my hips. And so those ended up being my dancing feet, which were literally just made of foam and wood. And I danced with no shoes on at all through the majority of the show and got the motion and the shape and everything that I needed. But like you say, there is no like (laughs) guide to tell me like this is how you dance in two prosthetic legs. There's not even dancing prosthetic legs out there. It really was just taking that first step, having the courage to try and fail and figuring it out along the way. And each week was different. Each week I'd run into a different problem and we'd have to figure it out. And we made it to week 10 and we thought we were done. We were like, there is no way we're getting through this week because one of the dances we feared most, which was the quick step, we were given. And with the quick step, you're supposed to really like glide across the dance floor 
really be able to travel far. You needed all this energy in your movements and in your legs, but you had to be really graceful. And none of these feet that I was wearing allowed me to do that. So my husband, I was telling him, you know, on the phone, I was like, I don't know. I think I'm done. I I literally at this point can't do this dance. I'm not sure what to do. And he said, well, what about your running blades that are just sitting here in the closet? So he shipped me my running blades, which they're designed after the hind leg of a cheetah, but they're very narrow. So I thought, oh, there's no way I'm going to be able to balance on those while I'm dancing. But I put them on and they gave me exactly, you know, the energy and the motion that I needed. And we got through that week. In fact, I think, you know, we had, you know, three tens and the highest score and, and it all started with this challenge and just trying to figure it out, like step by step and not letting the pressure of failing, I guess, crush us, but instead force us to get creative to find a way. And so for me, coming out of Dancing with the Stars, you know, it was so much more than I ever could have imagined. And I learned so much more about myself if I didn't already know that I could like not just overcome these challenges, but use them. Like I'm actually trying to figure them out how to do what it is I want to do and and then just get really creative and <laughs> find a way. It's so extraordinary. And of all the times in history, I mean, we need you more than ever. The world is coming together in a way that in our lifetimes we've never seen. Tell us where okay. we can find your book, your TED Talk, your everything. Tell us yes. where we can find and become a part of your world. Yes. So um, definitely, you know, Instagram's really been a great way for me to connect with the world because I just find myself kind of getting up writing my thoughts out, posting it. And, and I feel like I can connect with quite a few people on there. So definitely my Instagram page, that's Amy Pretty Girl, G-U-R-L, Amy Pretty Girl. <laughs> and then definitely my website. My, my website definitely has some resources on there, different things, you know, different ways to connect to me. So that's just www.amypretty.com. And then my TED Talk, it's on ted.com. And it's very short. It's only eight minutes. So um, I also did a, a talk last year on Goalcast. If you look up my name and Goalcast, there's a longer speech on there. And I think it's it's got 12 million views and it's kind of more updated than my TED Talk. But that one ended up going pretty far. And then my book, On My Own Two Feet, From Losing My Legs to Learning the Dance of Life, that's in all bookstores. You can order it on Amazon. And yeah, I, I think I just, you know, one major thing, one question that I I like to ask people, and I think it would be a really nice way to end this is if your life was a book and you were the author, how would you want your story to go? And I asked that, that's the question that changed my life forever. You know, it allowed me to think of, okay, I'm in this situation and I can't control it, but if I could control it, what would it look like? And then believe that, believe that you can, believe that you can do that, believe that you can make that vision happen. What's amazing that has to be said is on top of everything that you've accomplished just by breathing in and out and being yourself and then everything else, you are so humble. Like that might be actually like it has to be said because it might be the greatest medal on top of everything that you are and everything that you share. You made me feel so at ease and so comfortable and you were so kind to me, I think that might be the biggest thing that I would say about you because I don't know anyone who's like that. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. That means a lot to me. Um, 
the last thing I've ever wanted was people to say, well, that's amazing what she's done, but that's her. I could never do that. You know, I always wanted to share my experiences and, and my challenges and the things that I've used to overcome them so that other people can feel like they can do it as well. I've never felt like a superhero. I've never felt like a superhuman in any way. I've just been on a mission to live my best life and not let my challenges stop me and to somehow use them because they're there and they're not going away and hope that others can do the same. It's, it's really, the point is that above all of your strength and fortitude and resilience, your goodness is so good. And thanks for being you. This was just such an incredible honor. Thank you. Thank you. I, I feel the same. It's so incredible. I really wish I had a different word because I don't know how to say what I feel about Amy. Here are the takeaways. Number one, when you are being you, not covering it up and sharing yourself with the world, you are making an impact. It comes from the inside. Number two, step outside of the situation and see the big picture. See where this could eventually lead, what you could learn, and how you can help others from this. Number three, everything is temporary. Everything is constantly moving. It's always going to change. Number four, find a way. If it doesn't exist, create it. Anything is possible. There are no barriers. Number five, we won't know why things are happening or what to do to get through it, but we have to have faith that it will all make sense in the end. Number six, we all have more potential than we'll ever, ever know. Number seven, the confidence comes when you get started. When you make mistakes, figure out what to do better next time and keep going. And number eight, if your life was a book and you were the author, how would you want your story to go? Believe that you can make that vision a reality. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for letting these words enter your heart. I know that there's so much that you're all dealing with right now. And I'm so grateful that you make the time to listen to this show. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts because there are so many incredible episodes coming. I promise you. I told you they're coming. Today was no exception. Today was unbelievable. So subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen because there's so much good stuff lined up. And if you were inspired by today's episode, share it with one person who could really use it. We are in a time where people need a glimmer of hope. And Amy delivers like a fire hose of optimism, a fire hose of truth. And I think that these stories, stories like hers, they can bring so much, so much comes to fruition when we hear these words. So let's keep these possibilities alive. Remember, if you happen to be around at five o'clock Pacific Standard Time tonight and you want to follow along with the Don't Keep Your Day Job book club, which is free, you can check me out. I'll be going live on Instagram and at the Don't Keep Your Day Job Facebook group. And if you want to buy the book or get the audible versions that you can follow along with us, that would be awesome. I love you guys. I'm thinking about you. Stay safe. Stay inside. And uh, maybe if you check out the book club and read the book, it'll give you some positive ways to focus your energy right now. I'll leave you with a song and I'll talk to you Thursday. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. So many times I chose to run. So many times I held my tongue. I held my tongue.
Like a soldier.